Well, good morning and welcome to the end of June 2020. God has been so faithful to get us to that point, this point. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning, whether you come from, usually are joining us from the traditional service or the contemporary service or our Tri-Village Streamwood campus, or if you're a guest with us online, a very warm welcome to you. We look forward to doing this with you all week long. Well, we hope that no matter where you've come from, that you are encouraged by a very important truth from Scripture, and that is that God sees you, he hears you, he knows you, and he loves you. And we know that we can trust this God of the Bible because he sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. So we have so much to praise him for this morning. Let's sing together, all creatures of our God and King.
How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Well, thanks to our Genesis Adult Community for bringing us parts of Psalm 84 for us this morning. Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. What a great truth. As we go into this time of prayer of confession and thanksgiving, we're going to do it a little bit differently today. I'll give you some direction and then invite you to have a little time to pray in the silence of your own heart. So we're all praying spread out, but together as a body of Christ. Let's pray together. Oh God, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. We know that your presence is better than life and better than anything this world has to offer because that's what you've promised in your word. And yet we often find more delight in our relationships or our jobs or our possessions than in your courts, in your presence. Now we confess in our own words the idols that we run to for delight and comfort. And we repent for the moments when we are not satisfied with your presence alone because you have promised that that's enough. Father, Psalm 8411 says that you don't withhold any good thing from us, but we frequently doubt your goodness to us. In Christ, you've already given us far more than we deserve. So now we confess in our own words any bitterness, entitlement, or discontentment that we have harbored in our heart instead of trusting you. And finally, God, we know you are the best. We are so thankful for you. In our own words, we want to praise you for your presence with us and for your grace and your mercy for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we know from many of the Psalms that the most encouraging thing for our soul and our heart is often just to sing more praises to our Redeemer. So let's sing together, I will sing of my Redeemer.
Well, we are free. We are free indeed. And today, as we get ready to talk about the power of the tongue in Proverbs, I have found sometimes that um, when my tongue is struggling, it's actually my heart that is struggling. And when my heart is struggling, it's actually oftentimes that I don't have a good view of who God is, the God of the Bible. Who is he? And is it big enough? And is it mighty enough for who he really is? And so as we introduce this next song, it's a new modern day hymn called Ancient of Days by City of Light. And if um, we focus on who God is, then it kind of takes care of the rest of us, our hearts and our tongues too, because we have a correct view of who he is. So Ancient of Days. the power 
Good morning, church. I'm Chad Lowe, and I'm the associate pastor of Tri-Village Church, our Streamwood campus. If you're new to worshiping with us or checking us out, we would love to get to know you as well. This can be done simply as by sending a text. If you'd please text the word GIFT to 630-260-1600, we would love to send you a gift and thank you for joining us this morning. But that's not all. We also want to help you partner with us as we serve our local community. So along with sending you a gift, we'll also be sending a one-time gift to a nonprofit in our area. If you just text us, you can let us know where you'd like us to send that donation. When the pandemic started, our local outreach team quickly set up a Give Help, Get Help portal to connect people who needed help with those who were able to give and serve with what they had. And help came in many forms. Some shared their time and vehicles and picked up groceries and prescriptions for others that were homebound. Others shared their labor to restock shelves and distribute groceries at a food pantry, even in the rain. And there were even some that shared conversation by calling nursing home residents who were cut off from visitors. There are many, many more ways that you you as the church have served the community and given generously. And we've been blessed to have a local outreach staff who was able to respond quickly and adapt to the needs of our community by setting up this portal. God is at work through your generosity. And so if you're able, would you please prayerfully consider giving or setting up a reoccurring gift support ministries through Wheaton Bible Church? You can do this easily by texting the word Wheaton Bible to 77977. You can also go to our website, wheatonbible.org slash give, or you can mail a check to our church offices. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry here. Now, before we continue, I'd like to invite Pastor Rob Boo over to pray for us as we receive our offering. Well, Chad, before we pray, let's uh, talk for a couple minutes. This happens to be your last Sunday on staff here at Wheaton Bible Church. You've been serving on full-time staff for the last seven years. Mm -hmm. Early on, it was student ministry. And more recently, the last two years, you've been uh, part of the pastoral leadership at our Tri-Village campus. And for the last year, you functioned as the interim Uh, campus pastor there. So God has some exciting things going on in your life. We are going to miss you as you rotate off our staff. I want to thank you and Jayla uh, for all you guys have done, the way you've loved people, served people, and been such a wonderful, faithful servant. You've done a great job. So tell us uh, uh, what's the next chapter and what does that look like for you? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Well, I'll be serving at Wheaton College. I'll be working as a graduate resident advisor while also um, going uh, and doing my studies and getting a master's in higher education and student development. So it'll be a full-time role. Part of my role will be as a student, part of my role will be as a GRA. And the goal is to grow in discipleship and to help um, work with undergraduate students and graduate students as um, they figure out what it looks like to live out the gospel in their vocation, whether that's in full-time ministry or out in the working world. So really excited about this new step for us, a new season for us. What a great opportunity uh, for you to do what you do so well and disciple now to be discipling students. And uh, Chad, tell us how we can be 
praying for you, Jayla, and six-month-old Piper. Yeah, thank you. Well, if you could be praying for our family. We, we move next week, um, and so we're still packing everything up. Um, but also be praying that as we step into this discipleship role, we really want to be committed to discipling our daughter. Um, so be praying for us as a family as we get to serve as a family in this role. Uh, be also praying for fellowship. Pray that we would build connections with undergraduate students, um, that we would be able to foster community at Wheaton College and grow in community with the people we're working alongside. And then lastly, pray for our future. Pray for what's in store for us for these two years and for what's in store for us after these two years are over, um, wherever the Lord has us. Um, so yeah, because I'm a pastor, it's alliteration. So if you pray for my family, for fellowship, and for our future, that would be great. Yeah. Thank you, Chad. I'm going to step over here now and want you to know on behalf of all of us, we love you and so appreciate you. Thanks, Rob. Okay. Before I pray, I want to pick up on what I announced last Sunday, and that is that we are planning on reopening both our uh, North Avenue campus and our Tri-Village campus two weeks from this Sunday on Sunday, July 12th. Our, the reopening will be modified, of course, and we will make changes as we go. Hopefully, they'll all be positive changes where we can expand. But what we are planning on doing is continuing our service times as they are right now. So here at North Avenue, our traditional service will be at 8.30, our contemporary at 10.30, and our Spanish-speaking service at 12.15. Our Tri-Village service, which last week I said we weren't sure we had the approvals in place to reopen. We now have those approvals, and that service will be at 1030 uh, simultaneous with this uh, contemporary service here on this campus. This will be Eric Solomon, our new campus pastor at Tri Village, first Sunday, and we are excited for that. That's coming again in two weeks. I want you to know we will be um, maxing our services here on our North Avenue campus at 250 people, which gives us all sorts of room to practice social distancing because of the uh, size of this worship uh, sanctuary, and we will limit our Tri-Village 1030 service in two weeks to 70 people. We will require all of you that want to participate live uh, to wear masks, and I want you to know uh, that there will be no children's ministry. We will actually be cleaning and disinfecting between services, and to participate we will need you to register online, which you can do uh, beginning on Wednesday, July 1st. Now, let me just say, um, you will have three different options for worshiping, for experiencing uh, Wheaton Bible Church beginning on the 12th. You can continue in your home, as you many of you are right now, and for those of you uh, that are older, for those of you that may have some pre-existing conditions, we want to encourage you to do that. We want you to join us um, online. Some of you may want to get together as groups and worship together in that way, and maybe you'll uh, watch the service on a Sunday night or the night your small group meets, or maybe you'll all come together on Sunday morning. 
but we want to really encourage small group activity during this uh, time of this um, ongoing pandemic. And then finally, you can begin to worship with us face to face. And I want you to be praying for us because there's just a lot going on here in our culture relative uh, to COVID-19. There's a lot involved for us to reopen and to do it wisely, and we need God's wisdom. Having said that, would you bow with me and let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But you are also incredibly loving and compassionate and merciful. And we know this because of what you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. And we praise you that Jesus willingly became a man, willingly went to the cross, dying in our place for our sins. And you raised him from the dead. He has ascended and is at your right hand. And your word promises us that he is coming again. And we look forward to the return of Christ. We look forward to the restoration of Of all things, we look forward to being in your presence where we will experience you face to face. So, Father, this morning we want to tell you we love you. We honor you. We exalt you. We thank you for our Savior, our Rescuer, the one who brings us forgiveness. And we want to pray for the Chad Lowe family for Jayla, for Piper, and ask uh, during this time of transition as they uh, leave staff here at Wheaton Bible Church and assume staff at uh, Wheaton College that you would bless them, that you would allow this to be a wonderful moment these next couple of years as uh, Chad goes both to school and then he's disciples as RA students. We commit them to you. We thank you for them and their ministry among us. And Father, we pray for our reopening that's just two weeks away and pray that you would go before us and you would guide us. And if there are changes we need to make that you would show us, you would alert us. We pray for the people. I pray for our people of this church, God, and pray that you will protect them. We thank you that the incidence of uh, COVID and The state of Illinois is um, decreasing. We're thankful uh, that the death rate is going down steadily. And we ask that that would continue. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to worship you and to continue this series in Proverbs. So bless us now. Open our eyes as we turn to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I was a sophomore in college and was loving life when one night I had a conversation with a freshman about the merits of joining our fraternity. And I will never forget what he said to me that night when he said, I don't know, Rob, what I'm going to do. I need to go home over Christmas break and see what the Lord wants me to do. Now, Gary wasn't being pushy. He was being honest. He was being direct. And he was taking a risk. I didn't know that Gary had been praying for me, that God would open uh, my arrogant, self-centered eyes, and I would see that Jesus Christ 
is the ultimate fulfillment in life, uh, not my fraternity. I need to see what the Lord wants me to do. To see what the Lord wants me to do. When Gary said those words, it was like heaven opened for a moment. Because I had never heard anybody talk about God in such personal terms. And so I spent the next two hours asking Gary what he meant. Five months later, I came to Christ. Gary had already joined our fraternity. And when we both graduated from college, we went to seminary together. I am here today because of eight words. See what the Lord wants me to do. Eight words, almost a sentence, changed my life forever. Never, never underestimate the power of words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, or covet. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He is not here. He has risen. For by grace you are saved through faith. And we know, we know, we know that God works all things together for good. Who can comprehend the impact of these words on human history? Words are of immense importance to God. In Genesis chapter 1, it was with words that God created the entirety of the heavens and the earth. When we come to John chapter 1, we are told Jesus is the word, the revealer of God. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus rebukes Satan, saying to him, Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I mean, what is the Bible? What is uh, this book? If it's not the divinely inspired, infallible word of God, by the way, from which all our modern notions of equality, justice, family, and integrity come from. Now you and I know the importance of our words. Uh, words like, I love you. You're my best friend. I'm so sorry, I, I blew it. Will you forgive me? Are wonderful words. But words like, I hate you. I no longer want to be your friend. You'll never amount to anything. Well, those, 
Those kind of words bring death. And so today I want to say to you students, I want to say to all, all of you adults, there are few things in your life more important than your words. And so not surprisingly, when we come to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs has a lot to say about what we say. And so today, what I want to do is look at what Proverbs has to say in a variety of different passages about our tongue, about our words, uh, about our speech. Because God has given us Proverbs because God wants to change, wants to use our words to change other people's lives. So what I want to do is I want to begin by talking about the power of words, and there's a lot here, and so I want to focus on just two powers, two different powers of our words according to the book of Proverbs. And here's the first. Our words, our speech, have the power of life and death. We see this actually in a number of different verses. Look at this verse from chapter 18. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He says, will you marry me? She says, yes. And three children are the fruit of their words. And year after year, the words these parents speak into the life of their children will extraordinarily influence them. Physically, you can eat whatever you want. Emotionally, if only you were as good as your sister. And spiritually, uh, we don't have time for church. Church isn't that necessary. Uh, We've just been busy lately. Parents, one of the primary reasons our kids leave the faith is because of our words. Instead of pointing our kids to the day in and day out wonder of a bleeding and dying Savior and his love for us, we talk to our kids about being good, about their performance. So we say, don't do this, do this. Hey, uh, you need to work on this. You, You need to get this done. And what we do, and often it's unintentional, is we reduce Christianity to moralism. To our kids' performance. In her wonderful book on parenting, Give Them Grace, Elise Fitzpatrick asks, When your six-year-old son is clobbering his little brother and you yank him off and he says to you, I hate him, what do you say to your six-year-old? Well, moralism says we don't talk like that in our family. We don't say things like that. We don't use the word hate. And you actually do love your brother. You must love your brother. Now go to your room. But grace-centered, gospel-centered, biblical parenting is different. It doesn't refrain from punishment. 
But it says, you know, you're right, Johnny. You can't love your little brother because we're sinful. Mommy and daddy are just as sinful. And that's why God sent Jesus to be our rescuer. So he died on the cross to forgive us our sin. And to the extent we look to Jesus and see how much he loves us and he's forgiven us, then we find the power and the strength to forgive others. And that's what Jesus Christ means to a conversation when there's a conflict. Now look at the verse again. The tongue has the power of life. Words of life emphasize over and over to our kids that they are both sinful and loved by Jesus. They are unable in themselves, but able in Jesus. So as parents, we understand that our, our kids need to see the centrality of a bleeding and dying Savior so that they can understand life isn't ultimately about what they do, but what Jesus Christ has already done for them. And so we tell them as moms and dads over and over that our Heavenly Father is a loving Father who adopts rebels and makes them sons and daughters. But if all you do as a parent is talk to your kids about being good, then they will eat the fruit of moralism. And that does not have the power to bring life. So for example, let me look at one more verse on this subject. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Jesus is the fountain of life. By your words, point people, point your children to Jesus. Now let me go on to a second power. A second power our words have also found in the book of Proverbs and it's this. Our words have the power to heal and destroy. So we see in Proverbs chapter 12, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings, and I think this is really cool, brings healing. Now whether you're seven or 77, there's a friend in your life who looks really good on the outside, but is struggling on the inside. Uh, struggling with anxiety, struggling with feeling depressed. Or maybe there's somebody else who is struggling with temptation because they're going through a, a, a period of doubting. Or, 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 or someone uh, that is grieving and hurting because of a loss or a disappointment or a rejection and you may know what's going on in their lives or you may not. But your words are the very thing God may use to bring healing. To restore them spiritually. You see, each and every one of us are born with a word hunger. It's because, if you think about it, that we have been made in the image of a triune God. 
who speaks words, loving words, perfect words, holy words, appropriate words throughout eternity. And so being made in God's image, a God who speaks words, means we have been wired with a word hunger. We hunger for loving, perfect, appropriate, encouraging words, grace-filled words. Now let me say the same thing a little differently. A primary way we as humans develop our identity is by the validation of others through their words. Man, you're really good at this. You should spend more time on this. I know you're discouraged right now, but God's going to get to you to the other side. Our youngest grandkids uh, love to send us cards, and especially the really little ones uh, can only scribble. So we get these cards, and they're nothing but scribbling. But we make them out to be the, the second coming of the Mona Lisa because we're grandparents, and that's what grandparents do, right? Now, do you see? We're all scribblers in the eyes of God. We have pockets of strength on the one hand and major pockets of weakness on the other. We have fragile egos. We need approval. Uh, we long for um, uh, acceptance and significance and, and meaning and, and love. And anxiety right now in the United States is weighing down millions and millions of people who feel like they're right on the edge. And God has appointed you to tell people their scribbling is beautiful. Wow. I know you don't feel it right now, but God really loves you. Or, or, or uh, you're encouraging people that their lives make sense when they don't feel like it makes sense. Uh, you remind them that God's mercies are new every morning. His compassions never fail. That he is working all things out together uh, for good. Um, and that Jesus loves them and accepts them uh, from the moment they believe throughout eternity. And so we are telling people their scribbling is beautiful. And it's those kind of words, and look at the end of the verse, that bring healing. So let me go on. And let me transition now. Uh, as I ask the question, well, what uh, kind of words are life-giving and bring healing? And Proverbs has a lot to say about these different types of words. As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs has more to say about the tongue, about our words, about our speech, than any other subject next to wisdom. So there are wonderful verses scattered throughout Proverbs on this subject, and I'm just going to cite a couple. So the, the first thing we learn about life-giving and healing words 
is that they are honest, not dishonest. I love this verse. The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in people who are trustworthy. Now, rarely does the Bible use stronger language to describe God's response to human sin. God detests dishonesty. Twisting the truth, hiding the truth, exaggerating the truth are all different ways and and there's more uh, that we lie. Sometimes they're little lies, medium size or, or, or bigger lies. But what makes a lie so devastating is that it destroys the relationships that we all long for. Why is that? Well, healthy relationships are, 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 are built and sustained and, and grow uh, on a common or shared view of reality. And our lies make that commonality impossible at a particular point in a particular way. So when you lie to someone, you destroy the very thing you need most in life. And that is relationships. So look at 15, chapter 15 of Proverbs. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A dishonest tongue crushes the spirit. And I want to take this a a little further because not only does it crush the spirit of another person, the person you lie to, but it also crushes your own spirit. Because words express our thoughts. And when you repeatedly lie, uh, those thoughts behind your lie Um, become hardened, stiffened. And as that goes on over time, pretty soon uh, the ability you once had to distinguish between truth or reality and a lie uh, just goes away. I mean, think of a woman who discovers that her husband has been living a life of adultery for years. Does that crush her spirit? Of course. Does it crush his? Of course. A perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Now let me go on. Another trait of wise words, Proverbs is about wisdom, is that they are gentle, not harsh. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. I want to encourage you to memorize this little verse and to press it down into your soul. So let's say you've had a really bad day at work. The traffic is terrible on the Eisenhower as you're coming home. And there's been conflict and there's been different issues. And you're frustrated. Well, as you get closer to home, as you pull into the driveway or to your uh, parking lot, Repeat this verse over and over. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I'm not going to be harsh. I'm going to be gentle. 
and press that truth into your heart. So when a conflict emerges or when you're uh, in a bad mood, you have a biblical way to respond. This is self-talk. Practice the self-talk here. Now, I've been married twice, as most of you know. And I would say in both of my marriages, my lack of obedience in this area, the fact that I'm not always gentle, but I can be harsh, has been one of the primary failures in both of my marriages. What well, you would think I would have learned, but that's a, a different story. But the reality is I was raised by a mother who was very direct, who was outspoken and often harsh. So I just kind of grew up thinking, well, you know, this is the way uh, you need to be, and it's certainly the way I I've been wired as well. And so often I am direct, but my, um, the people I'm direct with, and it's usually with the people I'm closest to, uh, feel like my directness is harshness. And it wrecks an evening. It wrecks a meal. And Proverbs 15.1 says to me, Rob, don't be like your mother. Be like Jesus. And Proverbs 15.1, I want you to know over the years, has become a very good friend to me. Proverbs 15.1, Jesus is using to disciple me. And while I haven't arrived, I'm making a lot of progress. So what about you? Are you gentle in your answers? And this presupposes some sort of conflict? Or are you harsh? Now let me take this a step further and ask the question, what does gentleness or a gentle answer in our speech look like? And I want to suggest a couple of things. Gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Gentle words, in light of Proverbs 16, are, are gracious words. They're positive words. They're words that appear sweet to the listener. They encourage that person. They uh, make that person smile. They help that person relax. And they're followed usually by a thank you. That was really helpful. Gentle words are gracious words. To answer before listening, that is a folly and shame. The second thing I want to say about gentle words is they do not, hear me, they do not interrupt. They, they honor, uh, we honor what the other person is saying, so we listen. But when we interrupt, we uh, indirectly communicate, sometimes unintentionally communicate that our words are more important than the person who is speaking. And so I find it interesting that in the second half of this verse, uh, we have some strong words. It is folly and it's shame to interrupt people. So in our gentleness, because we want to be gentle, we work on not interrupting. And we don't try to figure out what we're going to say next and unplug while another person is speaking to us. Finally, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded. 
and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Gentle words are patient words. They're calm words. And if patient words can change the direction of a country, as, being, as is being suggested here in verse 15, think of the power of patient, calm words in the life of the person you're speaking to. Now let me go on. There's a third trait, a third characteristic of words that bring life and bring healing according to the book of Proverbs. And it's this. Our words are spiritual, not superficial. And by, I should say not merely superficial. So let me explain because I don't want you to misunderstand um, I love talking about all sorts of different subjects. I love reading fairly broadly. I love talking about the Cubs. I love talking about COVID. And, and we're all that way. And, and, and that's a positive thing. But honestly, as that goes on and on, I, I can only take so much of that kind of conversation. Because I long for substance as well. Especially spiritual substance. I want to know how people are doing spiritually. I, I, I want to know how you're experiencing or not experiencing Jesus in a particular moment. But our problem often, is often of the 15 to 18,000 words each of us speaks a day. Few of those words are vulnerable transparent, spiritual, Jesus words. And worse, that's especially true in our conversations with non-Christians. So Proverbs chapter 11 says, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life and the one who is wise saves lives. And to save lives means we talk to people about Jesus. Saves, the verb saves there is a strong verb in the Hebrew. It means to capture. And the picture is to, to capture from death and to redeem and to reveal life, the life that is found in Jesus Christ. And so I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, I want to say to you kids, you students, it's your spiritual words it's your words about Jesus it's your words about what Jesus is doing in your life your, your struggles your vulnerability that point your friends to our Savior and the one who is wise saves lives and it's exactly what Gary's words did to me I need to go home and see what the Lord wants me to do. And from that moment on, my life was totally different. So let me conclude with this. Life-giving, uh, healing words are humble, not proud. Let someone else praise you and not, not your own mouth. 
And in order to make sure we understand this, and, and this is an issue of emphasis here in the same verse, uh, that thought is repeated again in the second half of the verse. And outside are not your own lips. Let someone else praise you and not your own uh, mouth. According to the book of Proverbs, we have a word problem because we have a heart problem. I have a problem with my words because I have a problem with our heart. Now, the book of Proverbs tells us that the way to change our hearts, to guard our hearts, to heal our hearts, is through increasingly giving our lives to the fear of the Lord. Now, what does this fearing the Lord mean? It means you live in joyful awe of Jesus. It means you delight in him because of his love and his forgiveness. It means you trust him because of his faithfulness. It means you obey him because he, is, because he is the authority, the king, the sovereign ruler in your life. After all, the New Testament tells us wisdom is Jesus. And as I've been saying lately, what this means is knowing at the core of your being that your Jesus is unexpectedly kind. Uh, that his mercies are new every morning, that his compassions never fail, that he will never let you walk away, that he will never let go of you, that he went to infinite lengths uh, to rescue you, and that your problems are not an interruption to his plan for your life, but part of his plan uh, for your life. Now hear me. Pride forgets that. Pride stops living in a moment a Jesus-centered life and becomes self-centered. We forget that Jesus is unexpectedly kind. We forget what he reveals in the cross and his death. And so in the words of verse 2 here, uh, we're too busy praising ourselves to think about honoring and worship and praising Jesus. So we play to the grandstands. We talk about ourselves. We draw attention to ourselves. Uh, we complain when we don't get our way. We're very critical about other people. You and I have a mouth problem because we have a heart problem. And the only way servants will stop Assuming the role of a master, which is what we do in our sinful nature. We want to be the master of our universe. And the only way we will stop as servants from assuming the role of being a master is by fixing our eyes on the one and only master, Jesus Christ, who became a servant to rescue us who became a servant and died a horrible death in our place for our sins. So that when we believe and when we continue to believe and continue to move towards Jesus, we find acceptance, we find joy, we find peace, we find hope. Because we found forgiveness. 
Pride makes servants want to be masters. Taking our eyes off ourselves and looking to Jesus is how we change. How um, verse 2 becomes a reality in our lives. Let someone else praise you. Only Jesus can do that. So I want to invite you right now to come to Jesus, or if you've already come to Jesus, to continue to come to Jesus. Because in humility, he became your servant that your words might serve him. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for the wonder of all that you have done for us in Jesus. That Jesus came and humbled himself and became a servant to the point of death, death on the cross, so that you would exalt him and place him at the center of the universe. And God, we confess to you that too often we are at the center of our own lives, not Jesus. And we ask that you would change us because we see his love, his compassion, his beauty. In Jesus' name, amen.
and the wounds of disgrace for surely you have borne our suffering and carried our grief as you pardoned the scoffer and showed grace to the thief what boundless love what fathomless grace you have shown us As we conclude, I want to mention, if you have prayer requests, you can text them to 630-260-1600. We as a staff meet every Tuesday, and I promise you we will be praying for your request on Tuesday and then throughout the week. Now may the grace of God fill us with the Spirit of God and in filling us, point us to the Son of God, that in the fullness of Jesus' love, we might go into culture and serve him by seeking the good of everyone around us. And may God bless you, may his face shine upon you, and may he give you grace. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. I'm Mike and I serve with our adult communities team. As Pastor Rob shared last week, we're excited to start gradually meeting on campus again. On Wednesday, registration will open for our July 12th and 19th service. If you're worshiping with us on campus, you must reserve a seat as our capacity is limited to help with social distancing. We hope to see you there. And we want you to know that our online services will continue to be available to watch at home or with your life group. Kids and students, we hope you've been having fun with the Essential Neighbors projects. This week's project for your family is hosting an ice cream social. And we think you'll have a lot of fun with it and serving your neighbors with a really cool treat. To get the Essential Neighbors Guide with all of the details, head over to the Kids Life page on our website. Last, I want to leave you with an update from our Senior Pastor Search Committee. The team is making progress meeting with many of you and has plans to continue to meet with more and more in the coming weeks. Take a listen to some of their prayers for this process. My name is Charity Lane and I'm a part of the Front Door Ministry team. As a pastor's daughter, my hope and prayer is that God blesses us with a shepherd who is wonderfully gifted to lead us and his family in the ways of the Lord. Hi, my name's Lois Lenane from the Tri-Village campus. My hope is for a senior pastor who deeply loves Tri-Village, a humble man of prayer who has a passion to see people come to a genuine saving faith in Jesus Christ. My name is Jeff Weston and I've served as an elder here at Wheaton Bible Church. I'm praying that we find a pastor who's deeply committed to the strong biblical teaching that we've come to know and who can effectively communicate the gospel in a way that draws many people to Jesus Christ. My name is Ann Garnett, and I am a volunteer leader with Women's Ministry and Global Missions. My hope is that Wheaton Bible Church as a whole and each of us as individuals will clearly see more and more of God's goodness and faithfulness to us throughout this journey of selecting our new senior pastor. My name is Adam Mitchell. I currently lead a small group, serve in the children's ministry, and am active in our faith and work ministry. My hope is for a senior pastor who will lead our congregation to integrate the gospel into every aspect of our lives and that our church would be unified in this search process. I'm Gary Dossie. I am a retired pastor here from Wheaton Bible Church. God has so richly blessed this church over the past 25 years through the powerful and the enriching ministry of Pastor Rob. And now we're earnestly praying for God's clear direction in his selection for the new senior pastor who will lead this church in the years to come.